The simplicity of the gospel of Jesus Christ is cherished amongst the childlike. One cannot approach God through scholarship. When I approach the Father, I do not clutter the conversation by giving him my philosophy on life. I ask him how to live, and I shut my mouth and listen with an ear bowed down to the ground and await his answers. God's ministers are directed to preach the gospel in its simplicity. Romans 12, verse 8, Or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. 2 Corinthians eleven three. But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. The humble child of God, even living in the most remote and academically backward places on earth, who grasps the holy word of God in his or her heart, will always stand far above the world's so-called wisest. When the various disciplines of world knowledge arrive at their latest insight, this unsophisticated, childlike saint will have been there all the while with chapter and verse. An excellent example is science's discovery, what they call the first law of thermodynamics, which is also known as the law of conservation. This cardinal law states that energy or matter cannot be created or destroyed. What exists from the beginning must remain constant. It can change in form, but not in quantity. Serious Sunday school students casually confirmed their discovery to be true inside Ecclesiastes 3, 14 and 15, which was written 3,000 years ago. I know that whatsoever God doeth, it shall be forever. Nothing can be put to it, nor anything taken from it. And God doeth it that men should fear before him. That which hath been is now, and that which is to be hath already been, and God requireth that which is past. When carnal scientists reach their greatest discoveries, they will find the simplest among us have been there the whole time. Dear visitor, have you yet to be born again, as Jesus declares in John 3, 3? Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Today, we offer you the simplicity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here are his words given to the church. It is known as the Great Commission, Mark sixteen fifteen and 16. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. In just a moment, I will invite you to follow me in a simple prompt. If you do, you will be born a second time, this time of the Spirit of God, this time as a son or daughter of God. Today all your sin and shame will be washed away by Christ's cleansing blood. You will be pristinely clean. Today, all of Satan's bondages in your life will be broken, every single one. You will be absolutely free. Today, you will become a new creature, one with the power to live a life of victory. Here is the simple prompt I promised. Click on the Further with Jesus for childlike instructions and immediate entry into the kingdom of God. Now for today's subject. 
God said, Galatians 6, verse 7, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. God said, Exodus 34, verse 7, Keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and to the fourth generation. God said, Job 12, 7 through 10. But ask now the beast, and they shall teach thee, and the fowls of the air, and they shall tell thee. Or speak to the earth, and it shall teach thee, and the fishes of the sea shall declare unto thee. Who knoweth not in all these that the hand of the Lord hath wrought this, and whose hand is the soul of every living thing, and the breath of all mankind? Man said, One thing I really dislike is going to funerals. I'm uncomfortable even talking about death, especially my own. What's worse is what happens to me after I die. I'll give it serious thought when I get older, uh, if I get older. Now the record. Welcome to God Said, Man Said, feature 1,160, that will for the 1160th time verify the bona fides of the majority text authorized King James Version of the Holy Bible. All of these word-centric features are archived here in text and streaming audio for your edification and to be used as a platform to fish for the lost souls of men. Every Thursday Eve, God willing, they grow by one. Thank you for coming. May God's face shine upon you with light and truth. Relax, saints. Every jot and tittle is true. The Word of God found in His Holy Bible is true and righteous altogether. It is the inerrant God-authored truth. Since Genesis chapter 3, Satan and his champions have aimed carefully and have fired what they consider to be mighty salvo after salvo, yet the Word of God has not suffered a scratch, not even a detectable abrasion. A piece of good advice to the God-deniers is Second Timothy 2, 12, and 13. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. Wrangle as they will. The word of God simply will not yield to their childish pratting and saber-rattling. You have arrived at the God Said, Man Said series, undeniable proof every jot and every tittle. In this series, one undeniable truth after another is presented in rapid fashion, confirming Holy Scriptures. Presently, we have cataloged 360 marvelous biblical pearls that declare that God is. This feature will add five new undeniable proofs. Nearly all of these proof points are found in past God Said, Man Said features, should you want more details. And now, undeniable proof 361. So the curse causeless shall not come, Proverbs 26, verse 2. Inherit within God's every commandment and precept is a blessing or a curse, because the word of God is the inerrant truth. Obeying it yields the fruit of doing the right thing, the blessing. 
because the word of God is the inerrant truth, disobeying it yields the deadly fruit of doing the wrong thing, the curse. So the curse, causeless, shall not come. Example, God commands against the consumption of alcoholic beverages. A woman whose partner drinks alcohol is 360% more likely to be physically abused than if her partner does not drink alcohol. The American Addiction Center reports that more than 80% of men who killed or abused their female partners were considered problem drinkers in the year preceding the incident. More than two-thirds of men who tried to kill or did kill their partners were drunk at the time of the incident. In the camp of the disobedient, those negatively affected globally, untold millions. In the camp of the obedient, those negatively affected globally, zero. Example, in Exodus chapter 20, verse 15, the Ten Commandments, God commands, thou shalt not steal. In the camp of the disobedient, according to the FBI, there are 2.5 million burglaries annually in the United States. It's hard to pin down the number of burglars in the U.S., but with one burglary occurring every 26 seconds, there are a lot of them. In the camp of the obedient, the number of burglars, zero. Example, God strictly commands against fornication of any kind, including bestiality, premarital sex, adultery, homosexuality, and more. In the camp of the disobedient, worldwide, the WHO reports more than one million sexually transmitted infections are acquired every day. Did you get that? Every year, there are estimated 374 million new cases of chlamydia, gonorrhea, syphilis, and trichomoniasis. In the camp of the obedient, those negatively infected, zero, 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 zero. Galatians 6, 7, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Undeniable proof 362. Exodus chapter 34, verse 7. Keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and to the fourth generation. A sobering thought. The iniquity of the father visited unto the third and to the fourth generation. And keep in mind that mothers have fathers too. The relatively new science of epigenetics has its own understanding of this amazing biblical principle. Shocked? The amazing remedy will be even more shocking. Excerpts from the God Said Man Said feature, Epigenetics Meets Jesus Christ. Kiss Inheritance Fears Goodbye. Excerpts follow. From the March 29, 2008 issue of Science News, the article, Dad's Hidden Influence, reports. In recent decades, scientists have discovered that chemical modifications to DNA in proteins can change the way genes are packaged and regulated without changing the genes themselves. Such modifications are known as epigenetic changes. Epigenetic modifications act as a molecular scrapbook, preserving memories of events in parents' lives and handing them down to the next generation and beyond. There's a chromosomal memory, says Ann Ferguson-Smith, the developmental geneticist at Cambridge University in England. 
the chromosomes remember whether they came from the mother or the father. In a September 29, 2020 feature on her website, Dr. Caroline Leaf interviews Dr. Rudolf Tanzi, Harvard professor and founder of the field of neurogenetics, who was listed as one of Time magazine's 100 most influential people. The following paragraphs are from that feature titled, How to Use Your Thoughts to Influence Your Gene Expression for Now and Future Generations, plus the five most widespread myths about the brain that may be limiting your potential with Dr. Rudolf Tanzi. As Dr. Tanzi points out, you are not your brain. You are the user of your brain. Every choice you make determines the experiences you have, and every experience you have will condition your genetic expression. Your habits and lifestyle come from programs of genes which you can control. Yes, there are gene mutations that take many, many years, but your experiences also change the way you express your genes. This is called epigenetics. Basically, this means that although you are born with certain genes, you get to sculpt many of these genes and how they express themselves through your lifestyle, habits, and choices. You have a lot of control over your biology. Indeed, 97% of your genetic history is not written in stone. It is amenable to your sculpting. What does this look like on a day-to-day -day basis? If you are constantly creating an environment of physical stress in the brain and body, your genes will adapt. Very soon, your genetic environment will be hurting you every day instead of healing you because your genes are responding to how you live your life. Although your DNA stays the same, your gene expression program will start changing when you start making different choices. You are essentially genetically reprogramming yourself. When you choose to stand outside yourself, observe your thinking and choices, and change the way you live your life. Why is this so important? As Dr. Danzi notes from his research, we pass on any epigenetic modifications we make to our offspring. For instance, for instance, excuse me, we can inherit the phobias of our parents based on their own life experience and choices. The way we choose to live our lives now can impact future generations, end of quote. The sins of one's parents being passed down to the third and fourth generation is somewhat disturbing. The idea of being handcuffed to another's deeds is not new to students of the scriptures. It began with Adam and Eve who sold their progeny, you and me, into sin. Each of us inherited the carnal, sinful nature, the evil epigenetic tag of our parents, but God sent Jesus Christ to break the chains of our bondage. Jesus calls it born again. Through this life-transforming process, we are literally born a second time, this time of the Spirit, and become sons and daughters of the living God. All the chains of carnal inheritance, even epigenetic ones, are broken and a full purging and renewal process begins. At Born Again, amazing and glorious things happen that directly affect us at the molecular level and beyond. Consider some of these classic changes. I am now redeemed. My soul is washed clean of all its sin and shame by Christ's cleansing blood. I am brand new. I have a new father and new epigenetic markers, his holy epigenetic tags. Things are not the same. 
I am given a new name. I am part of a new Holy Ghost family. I receive a heart transplant. My old contaminated heart of stone is replaced with a brand new heart of flesh. My mind is renewed and is constantly renewed by the mind of Christ. The Holy Spirit of God is now on board and dwells in the belly. It leads and guides in all truth. Angels are dispatched to encamp about me, and my steps are ordered by the Lord. My purpose is to grow in Christ and to help build up the kingdom of God, and that purpose will last forever. At Born Again, the process of purification begins and continues to purify until we see Jesus when we will be as he is. An ongoing transformation and washing process, excuse me, continues for every cell in the entire body. Consider the following verses, Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Transform means to change form. It begins in the spirit and directly affects us at the cellular level, in part producing things like physical changes in the brain that neuroscience knows as neuroplasticity and surely affecting one's epigenetic inventory. Ephesians five twenty six through 27. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. The word of God washes over our entire genetic being. Your epigenetic conditions go through an instantaneous change and new markers are being created. Second Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all, the word is all, all things are become new. John 3.3, 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again. He cannot see the kingdom of God. God has the answer for the dark side of epigenetics. His name is Jesus Christ, who offers born again, where everything changes. Imagine, it is entirely a word issue. 1 Corinthians 1.18, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Ain't it so hallelujah so? Thousands of years before science begins to discover the reason why, God's children of faith are already there. God's word is true and righteous altogether, a place to build a life that will last forever, born again. That's a big, big deal. End of quote. Undeniable proof, number 363. Christ deniers continue to deny, but serious historians certainly do not. One of ancient history's greatest historians was Flavius Josephus, who was born just a handful of years after Jesus was crucified. You'll find the following sentences in the dissertation section of the complete works of Josephus. Now, James was so wonderful a person and was so celebrated by all others for righteousness that the judicious Jews 
thought this to have been the occasion of that siege of Jerusalem, which came on presently after his martyrdom, and that it befell them by no other reason that that impious fact uh, they were guilty of against him. Josephus, therefore, did not refuse to attest thereto in writing by the words following. These miseries befell the Jews by way of revenge for James the Just, who was the brother of Jesus that was called Christ, on account that they had slain him, who was a most righteous person, end of quote. Jesus Christ and his brother James, just like the Bible said. Undeniable proof number 364, Job 12, 7 through 10. And ask, but ask now the beast, and they shall teach thee, and the fowls of the air, and they shall tell thee, or speak to the earth, and it shall teach thee, and the fishes of the sea shall declare unto thee. Who knoweth not in all these that the hand of the Lord hath wrought this? and whose hand is the soul of every living thing and the breath of all mankind. The following paragraphs are from Dr. Grant R. Jeffrey's book, Creation, Remarkable Evidence of God's Design. Evolutionists believe that the complex systems found in living creatures were formed accidentally as a result of random chance mutations. 3,000 years ago, the wisest man in the world, King Solomon, wrote, The hearing ear... And the seeing eye, the Lord hath made even both of them. Proverbs 20, verse 12. Consider the case of the human eye and ask yourself whether or not such a complex and intricate optical system could have ever developed to random chance mutation alone. When a baby is conceived in its mother's womb, the genetic DNA code governing the eye programs the baby's body to begin growing optic nerves simultaneously from both the optic center of the brain and from the eye. A million microscopic optic nerves begin growing from the eye through the flesh toward the optical section of the baby's brain. Simultaneously, a million optic nerves with a protective sheath similar to a fiber optic cable begin growing through the flesh toward the baby's eye. Each of these one million optic nerves must find and match up to its precise match to enable vision to function perfectly. We are generally impressed when highway engineers are able to correctly align two 30-foot-wide tunnels dug from opposite sides of a mountain to meet precisely in the center of the mountain. However, every day, hundreds of thousands of children are born with the ability to see, their bodies having precisely aligned one million separate octave nerve, optic nerves from each eye to meet their matching optic nerve endings growing out of the baby's brain. Anyone who thinks this miracle of design happens by chance probably still believes in Santa Claus. It astonishes the mind of anyone who begins to contemplate the scientific research that has been conducted on the eye's amazing construction and activity. The degree of complexity displayed in the construction of the various parts of the eye makes the evolutionary theory that it evolved over millions of years by tiny chance mutations an absolute impossibility. Charles Darwin himself admitted that the intricate engineering displayed in the human eye was so specialized and complex that he could not begin to imagine how the eye might have developed through the evolutionary process of natural selection. 
Darwin said this, to suppose that the eye, with all its inimitable contrivances for adjusting the focus to different distances, for admitting different amounts of light, and for the correction of spherical and chromatic aberration, could have been formed by natural selection, seems, I freely confess, absurd in the highest degree. In an 1861 private letter, Charles Darwin allegedly wrote the American biologist Asa Gray, only a few years after writing The Origin of Species, about his growing personal doubts that evolution could ever have produced anything as complex as the human eye. The eye, to this day, gives me a cold shudder because it is an organ of extreme perfection, end of quotes, if Darwin only knew. Undeniable proof number 365. Let's let Dr. Jeffrey finish this feature's undeniable proofs. Again from his book, Creation, Remarkable Evidence of God's Design. The smallest cell in your body is composed of over 50 billion atoms arranged into more than 100 different proteins together with a staggering amount of genetic information encoded in the DNA and RNA that govern the cell's activities, nutrition, repair, and replication. The inescapable problem for the theory of evolution is that every part of this complex cell needs to be present for the cell to function at all. You can't start with part of this cell because everything is interrelated and necessary for the cell to function as a whole. Dr. Francis Crick, an atheist and co-discoverer of the structure of DNA, admitted that there is almost no possibility whatsoever that the very first life could have spontaneously generated from the inorganic chemicals that may have existed in the early Earth's atmosphere and surface water. As a result of his conclusion that life could never have spontaneously developed on Earth over billions of years, he was forced to develop an alternative theory to account for the existence of tremendously complex organisms found everywhere on Earth. Professor Crick wrote a book entitled Life Itself, in which he explained his new theory that suggested that life was actually developed through evolution in some other galaxy and then was brought to Earth from outer space by means of alien starships or by solar winds. While such a theory is certainly imaginative, it is totally false. Dr. Crick acknowledges that his theory has no evidence whatsoever to support it, but he prefers it to admitting that only a supernatural God could rationally account for the beginning of life, the existence of DNA, and all the millions of species found on the earth today. However, if you consider the situation for a moment, you will realize that if evolution cannot possibly explain the beginning of life on earth, it is equally impossible that life evolved from random chance in any other galaxy or universe. Crick has taken the impossible and made it even more fanciful, end of quote. Dr. Crick wasn't entirely incorrect. God created all things by Christ Jesus, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2, out of that which is invisible, and they were not from earth. Psalms 139, 13 through 16, for thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. 
My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned when as yet there was none of them. DNA is invisible to the naked eye, but within it is found the instructions of life. Science knows DNA as the book of life. We find it described 3,000 years ago in God's holy book. Insights only the Creator could know. Again, Psalms 139.16, Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book all my members were written, which in continuous were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. If you have yet to embrace Jesus Christ, what are you waiting for? Choose Christ and live life and live it more abundantly, even eternally. Click on the further with Jesus now. A glorious moment and future awaits you. God said, Galatians 6, verse 7, Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. God said, Exodus 34, 7, Keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and the fourth generation. God said, Job 12, 7 through 10, but ask now the beast, and they shall teach thee, and the fowls of the air, and they shall tell thee. Or speak to the earth, and it shall teach thee, and the fishes of the sea shall declare unto thee. Who knoweth not in all these, that the hand of the Lord hath wrought this, and whose hand is the soul of every living thing, and the breath of all mankind? Man said, One thing I really dislike is going to funerals. I'm uncomfortable even talking about death, especially my own. What's worse is, what happens to me after I die? I'll give it serious thought when I get older. If I get older. Now you have the record. <laughs>